0: Chapter Nine of An Outback Marriage by Andrew Barton Patterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Arrowhead Aussie. Chapter Nine: Some Visitors. After breakfast next morning, Mary decided to spend the day in the company of the children who were having holidays. Just as well for you to learn the house first, said Hugh, "before you tackle the property. The youngsters know where everything is within four miles, anyhow." Two little girls were impressed and were told to take Miss Grant round and show her the way about the place, and they set off together in the bright morning sunlight on a trip of exploration. Now no true Australian, young or old, ever takes any trouble or undergoes any exertion or goes anywhere without an object in view. So the children considered it the height of stupidity to walk simply for the sake of walking, and kept asking where they were to walk to. "'What shall we see if we go along this road?' asked Miss Grant pointing with her dainty parasol along the wheel track that meandered across the open flat, and lost itself in the timber. Nothing, said both children together. Then uh, what is there up that way, she asked, waving her hand up towards the foothills and the blue mountains. There must be some pretty flowers to look up there. No, there isn't, said the children. Well, let us go into the woods and see if we can't find something, she said determinedly and with her reluctant guides she set off trudging across the open forest through an interminable vista of gum trees after a while one of the girls said hello there Poss miss grant looked up and saw through the trees a large and very frightened bay horse with a white face on further inspection a youth of about eighteen or twenty was noticed on the horse's back but he seemed so much a part of the animal that one might easily overlook him at first glance the horse had stopped at the sight of them and was visibly affected with terror. They advanced slowly, and the animal began snorting and sidling away among the timber, its rider meanwhile urging it forward. Then Emily cried, "'Hello, Poss!" And the horse gave a snort, wheeled around, jumped a huge fallen tree, and fled through the timber like a wild thing, with its rider still apparently glued to its back. In half a second they were out of sight. "'Who is it, and why does he go away?' asked Miss Grant. "'That's poss said emily carelessly he and benjy live over at dundalago he often comes here they and their father live over there that's a colt he's breaking in he's very nice so is benjy well here he comes again said miss grant as the horseman reappeared riding slowly round them in ever lessening circles the colt meanwhile eyeing them with every aspect of intense dislike and hatred and snorting between wiles like a locomotive Emily waited till the rider came fairly close and said, "'Poss, this is Miss Grant.' The rider blushed and lifted his hand to his hat. Fatal error. For the hundredth part of a second, the horse seemed to cower under him as if about to sink to the ground, then tucked his head in between his front legs and his tail in between the hind ones, forming himself into a kind of circle, and began a series of gigantic bounds at the rate of about a hundred a minute, while in the air above him rider described a catherine wheel before he came to earth landing on his head at miss grant's feet the horse was soon out of sight making bounds that would have cleared a house if one had been in the way the rider got up pulled his hat from over his eyes brushed some mud off his clothes and came up to shake hands as if nothing had happened his motto apparently being toujours la politesse my word can't he buck, poss said the child "'He chucked you all right, didn't he?' "'He got a mean advantage,' said the young fellow in a slow drawl. "'Makes me look a fair chump, doesn't it? Getting chucked before a lady. "'I'll take it out of him when I get on him again.' "'How do you do?' "'I'm very well, thank you,' said Miss Grant. "'I hope you're not hurt. "'What a nasty beast. "'I wonder you aren't afraid to ride him.' "'I ain't afraid of him, the cow. "'He can't sling me fair work. "'Not the best day ever, he saw.' "'He can't buck,' he added in tones of the deepest contempt. "'And he won't try when I've got a fair hold of him. "'Only goes at it underhanded. "'It's up to me to give him a hiding next time I ride him. "'I promise you.' "'Where will he go?' said Miss Grant, looking for the vanished steed. "'Won't he run away?' "'He can't get out of the paddock,' drawled the youth. "'Let's go up to the house and get one of the boys to run him in. "'He had a go in this morning with me. "'The bit came out of his mouth somehow, and he didn't get to work proper.' He went round and round the paddock at home with me on him, bucking like a brumby. Bingy had to come with another horse and run me back into the yard. He's a pretty clever colt, too. The timber is tremendous thick in that paddock, and he never hit me against anything. Bingy reckons any other colt that'd killed me. Come on up to the house, or he'll have my saddle smashed before I get him. As they hurried home, Miss Grant had a good look at the stranger, a pleasant, brown-skinned, brown-handed youth with the down of a black moustache growing on his upper lip. His frank and open face was easy to read. He looked with boyish admiration at Miss Grant, who immediately stooped to conquer and began an animated conversation about nothing in particular, a conversation which was broken in upon by one of the girls. "'Where is Benji?' she asked. "'Isn't he coming over?' "'Not he,' said the youth, with an air of great certainty. "'We're busy over at our place, I tell you. "'The water is all gone in the nine-mile paddock.' Binge and me and andy kelly had to muster all the sheep and shift them across to the home paddock binge is mustering away there now i just drove over to see hugh about some of your sheep that's in the river paddock won't Binge be over then persisted emily no of course he won't don't i tell you he's got three days work mustering there i must be off at daylight to-morrow home again or the old man'll know the reason why by this time they had reached the homestead and Poss went off with the children to the stables here he secured the knockabout horse, always kept saddled and bridled about the station for generally useful work, and set off at a swinging canter up the paddock after his own steed. Miss Grant went in and found Mrs. Gordon at her jam-making. Well, and have you found anything to amuse you? asked the old lady in her soft, even voice. Oh, I've had quite a lot of experiences, and I went for a walk and met Puss. Who is Poss The old lady laughed as she gave the jammers to her. He's a young hunter, she said. Was Benji there? No, and he isn't coming either. He has work to do. I learnt that much. But who is Poss and who is Benji? I'm greatly taken with Poss. He's a nice-looking young fellow, isn't he? His father has a small station away among the hills, and Poss and Benji help him on it. Those are only nicknames, of course. Poss's name is Arthur, and Benji's is George, I think. They're nice young fellows, but very bushified. They have lived here all their lives. Their father well he isn't very steady and they like to get over here when they can and each tries to come without the other knowing it Bingy will be here before long i expect they're great admirers of miss harriet both of them and they come over on all sorts of ridiculous pretexts poor fellows it must be very dull for them over there fancy week after week without seeing anyone but their father the station hands and the sheep now that you're here i expect they'll come more than ever as she spoke, the tramp of a horse's hoofs was heard in the yard, and looking out, Miss Grant saw a duplicate of Poss dismounting from a duplicate of Poss's horse, and Mrs. Gordon, looking over her shoulder, said, "'Here's Benji.' I thought he'd be here before long. "'Why do they call him Benji?' asked Miss Grant, watching the new arrival tying up his horse. "'What does it mean?' "'It's a blackfellow's word, meaning stomach,' said the old lady. "'He used to be very fat, and the name stuck to him. "'G'day, Benji!' "'G'day, Mrs. Gordon. You at home?' "'No, he won't be back till dark,' said the old lady. "'Won't you let your horse go?' "'Well, I don't know if I can,' replied the new arrival thoughtfully. "'I've left Poss at home, clearing the sheep out of that big paddock at the crossing. "'There's five thousand sheep and no water there. "'I'll have to go back and help him. "'I only came over to tell Hugh there were some of his weaners in the river paddock. "'I must go straight back, or Poss will make a row. "'We've a lot of work to do.' "'I think Poss is here,' said Mrs. Gordon.' Poss is here is he well if that don't beat everything and when we started to muster that paddock i went to the top and he went the other way and he reckoned he'd be at it all day he's a nice fellow he is i wonder what the old man'll say oh i expect he won't mind very much this is mr george hunter miss grant bingy extended much the same greeting as Posse had done and by dinner-time that evening or as it had always called in the bush tea-time they had all made each other's acquaintance and both the youths were worshipping at the new shrine at tea the talk flowed freely and the two bush boys shy at first began to expand as mary grant talked to them put a pretty girl and a young and impressionable bushman together and in the twinkling of an eye you have a sir galahad ready to do anything for the service of his lady light-heartedly they consented to stay the night in the hope of seeing hugh to deliver the message about the wieners they seemed to have satisfactorily arranged the question of mustering and when miss grant said won't your sheep be dying of thirst in that paddock where there is no water both brothers replied oh we'll be off at the crack of dawn in the morning and fix em up all right they always say that said the old lady and generally stay three days i expect they will make it four now that you're here chapter nine